You've got a bomb! <laughs> yeah, but I'm not a bomber! Don't worry. This is a fucking bad prank, mate! No, 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 no! No, I'm real! But not anymore! You're real, but not anymore! I don't understand! Have you got a bomb? Yes, but it's not gonna go off! How do I know that? Look! Hi, I'm Madeline, and I'm a writer and cultural critic, and I currently have a neck injury. I'm Dave. I'm a comedian and proud SAG-AFTRA actor. I'm currently drinking another uh, Sour Patch Kids Blue Raspberry flavored ghost energy drink that was provided to me promotionally. And uh, I am currently which... worried about Dave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not into it. This was provided to me in the GoPuff bag. And and I don't hate it, which which makes me worry about myself. Anyway, welcome to Genre Reveal Party, where we talk about TV and movies through the lens of genre, its definition, its limits, and what we can learn by exploding them. Each episode, one of us chooses a TV show or movie to discuss with spoilers, because you don't need to have watched the thing to enjoy the podcast. We are in season two, which we have called We Don't Need Another Hero, taken from our... The movie we we talked about in our first episode, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Now we are in episode two of the season. Just 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 right in it, just in the full fucking swing of it. We're talking mm-hmm. about the debut feature film of British comedy writer, I think a little bit actor, director, Chris Morris, the 2010 Jihad satire Four Lions. And to give a little genre taste. Wikipedia categorizes the movie as a political satire black comedy. <laughs> so we'll we'll level set there. In terms of the plot, it is relatively straightforward. I mean, this movie came out in 2010. We're mm-hmm. in this post-war on terror world. Um, and it is starts as four Muslim men, one of whom is a white convert uh the other i believe all have like pakistani heritage of some sort uh in the north of england sort of not quite suburban not quite industrial that middle ground north of england i read that it was supposed to be bradford england uh but they filmed in sheffield i believe so for our our north english listeners that that's that's the way to, to south place it. yorkshire you know. South Yorkshire. Yeah, you know, classic, just a South Yorkshire comedy. You know. So these these men are trying to plan a big, they're trying to plan a bombing. And they're all fucking dummies. And they fuck it up, is, is the simplest way to do it. We have Omar, played by Riz Ahmed. Uh, we have wadge played by i forget his name but he's nandor in what we do in the shadows now uh novak yes and and he is just you know they they use the r word to refer to him in this movie uh barry the white convert uh the probably the 
least likable character. So it's like <laughs> they put they put these words in the mouth of someone who's already revealed themselves to be despicable. But but Wadge is, is really, if not developmentally disabled, he he needs a lot of help. Uh, there's Barry, and then there is Faisal, right? Is it it's mm-hmm. Faisal? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, who doesn't speak as much. His dad is kind of uh he eats his dad eats moths but used to eat newspaper there's some sort of mental illness going on there but he also seems to have a little bit of technical aptitude but mm-hmm. he you know as a result of handling the explosives does blow himself up two thirds of the way into the movie and then the sort of middle class media studies student Hassan Mm-hmm. takes his place he's he's been sort of recruited by Barry into the crew so it's it, to me i was always interested that the movie was called four lions when there's like five guys at mm-hmm. various points you know uh omar and waj go off to pakistan to train in the mujahideen to 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 do their jihad back home they fuck it up we find out they accidentally killed Osama bin Laden at the end of the movie. <laughs> um, and yeah, so, so, so we can talk about the like individual, it, it really is a, like the, the thing I remember most, cause I saw this movie in a tiny little movie theater here in Chicago when it came out. Wow. And the thing I remember most about it was the, it so much was invested in the premise. It was like, can mm-hmm. you believe this premise? Can you believe that they made a terrorist comedy, a comedy about terrorists, you right. know? And so I thought that was a really good subject for our heroes and villains season. Mm-hmm. I especially, and I think normally we might not do this, but I do want to timestamp when we are talking because a lot of things could develop between yeah. when we're recording and releasing we're we're talking on Thursday November 2nd um which is you know the the anniversary the the sort of ignominious anniversary of the Balfour declaration uh that led to the creation of Israel uh mm-hmm. with with Britain's stamp of approval basically and we're in the midst of uh, genocide by Israel of the Palestinian people and so the idea of you know Hamas being labeled this this terrorist group you know I think you and I's circles skew a lot different than mainstream news but when I do get a peek of mainstream news mm-hmm. anyone who comes on is it's like the first and last question is like for pro-Palestinian activists is like, do you condemn Hamas? You know, mm-hmm. is, is this like, you got to wake up before you have your coffee, you condemn Hamas in the morning, you know? Yeah. And it's just this idea of like, who, w- with no cultural understanding of like where this group came from, how it was created, the circumstances, all mm-hmm. of the history before October 7th. So, you know, I'm more interested in talking about this movie and the 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 ways that talking about this movie can kind of sideways shed light on that situation. I'm mm-hmm. not a fucking Palestinian 
longtime Palestinian organizer or historian, uh, but happy to talk about uh, that stuff in this context Mm -hmm. as well. Um, I think the other thing to mention before we start, and we can get more into this, is Chris Morris directed the movie. Mm -hmm. Chris Morris, sort of a longtime British news satire media figure kind of right through through his own creations and through his 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 circle of people you know armando ianucci who created that movie in the loop which i've never seen mm-hmm. and veep uh chris morris directed some veep episodes they right. worked on very these like british satire programs that i've never seen but like brass eye and the day to day and, and they started on I, BBC Four Radio too. Yes, together, as so. in, doing radio, right? And mm-hmm. and even working with Stuart Lee, who's this very yeah. sort of famously British. Um, any any label is going to sound reductive, but sort of intellectual meta comedian. Um, and yeah, so Chris Morris has this whole. At the same time, this was around when fake not not when fake news when news satire was super super popular in America. Right, right. We had the Daily Show, we had the Colbert Report. I think even the fact that this was the era of the Stephen Colbert character, as opposed to now Stephen Colbert's mm-hmm. more sincere voice of capital L liberal nation you know with all the (laughs) baggage that entails um is is interesting as well but yeah so so we have chris morris directing this uh he also was uh he he had another follow-up movie the day shall come have you seen that i i haven't seen that i haven't seen that no no but it's like but i've seen you know most of his other Stuff actually, except for four lines, strangely. So, oh, you saw like Brass Eye in the day today? No, I didn't see Brass Eye. Oh, okay. Um, but then, no, but the like other... it crowd, Veep, right? Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know, yeah. And Maybe some of these are things that he like directed an episode on, but he's in this sure. wave, um, in that cause, also. The NG yes. cadre, yeah, yes. basically. The the day today also introduced Steve Coogan's Alec and Partridge character. Yes. So like that's yes, totally where we're at. And the, also we will get to this. Um our our very first episode of this show ever, season one, was about <laughs> succession. Uh mm-hmm. this movie was directed by Morris, but also written by Morris, along with Sam Bain and Succession creator Jesse Armstrong. Mm -hmm. So I will just say now, with that, let's chat. So you told me before we started recording, (laughs) you did not like the movie. Let's start there. (laughs) I feel bad about it. Um, I wanted to like this movie. And I guess I'm glad you brought up the context up front. I was really thinking about how difficult it is to watch this movie right now for the first Mm -hmm. time. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because I can tell 
that there's certain things that maybe I would find funnier um, if I had right. especially seen it in the year 2010 when it came out. And so, yeah, that was... I struggled with the tone of the film mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. quite a bit and also was really fascinated by it as like a historical object, right? Like, yeah, it only really could have come out of this brief kind of brief moment, you know, between mm-hmm. post nine 11 and then, you know, this like global right turn of the 2010s. And um, yeah, I don't know. So, and it did remind me of three Kings, which came out in 99. Right. And having mm-hmm. this kind of, strange quality um for its um like what it did what it didn't didn't know it would mean (laughs) soon thereafter right um right right so i don't know i want to admit that um but i found i didn't i don't really have a lot of room in my heart right now for like um anti-Islamic, <laughs> like, vibes in comedy, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think I think that you have to... And, it, and I appreciated, like, Riz Ahmed, I, I was watching some interviews with him where he's talking about it, and, like, he met Morris after he... Um, his first single, the post-9-11 blues, came out in 2006, Okay. And it, the British government like very quickly banned the song. Mm. And so they have this kind of bond um, creatively over like, yeah, political satire and censorship. And so I want to appreciate these elements of, of the movie, but I also just like, it just feels like the wrong time to, <laughs> to be watching it, if that makes sense. Um, Interesting. So to me, it feels like the very right time, almost because of its example as a historical object. Yeah. But but I'm interested because a thing that I do not have resolved and do not expect to find an answer for uh, in our conversation necessarily mm-hmm. is like what this movie's relationship to Islam is. Like, I don't feel like it's anti-Muslim Mm-mm. in general, but I could see I I could see someone else I, I would I would entertain someone else giving a reading of it in mm-hmm. that way. Um I I think, you know, in terms of heroes and villains we're taking, you know, in, in 2010 and especially before the mm-hmm. terrorist, it, it's hard to think of a like, other than like, you know, the child abuser. It, it's hard to think of a more societally accepted villain, you know, mm-hmm. like these are like hard to think of a more villainous group of characters. Mm-hmm. And in the process of, humanizing him the sense i got from reviews at the time is that like oh the satire is not as sharp because these characters are so dumb mm-hmm. uh, and and a lot of the even even omar is who's the smartest of the bunch 
mm-hmm. uh, is is not dumb. smart. Yeah, it's dumb. And yeah. and. And, and so he, but he's humanizing them, and they become. I, I mean, I for me, they become lovable because of their foibles and their. They, they have these dumb conversations, you know. Omar has these rants against materialism, mm-hmm. and then you hear uh, Wadge in the background be like, "Yeah, fuck mini baby bells," you know, and it's like. That kind of stuff is like really funny to me. Also, I I am able to go back to this moment in time. Mm-hmm. I I I have a lot to say about it purely on a genre level, which is, you know, anytime you're doing just art for art's sake, it's like let's be wary of that a yeah. little bit. But, um, yeah. D- did you feel it was anti-Muslim? I actually don't think it is. I think it's okay. um I think it's anti-fundamentalism, right? Mm-hmm. And and I was able to I'm able to see that as like what its its kind of purpose is as a satire, right? Um I just think it's not yeah, it's not the right vibe for the <laughs> For the moment, <laughs> I guess that's what I was responding. I was like, "This satires are so, um, they're so precious. They're so vulnerable, you know." Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I do think that they rely on context a lot, and um, so it just felt really out of place to be watching it. Um, if that makes sense, <laughs> it um, does make sense. It's kind of like cutting me to the quick of like. My entire choice here was invalid. I know that's not what you're saying. No, no, no. But- <laughs> no. I, I was up for the challenge, and I was I was curious about what it would feel like for me to be watching this. I I could also see. I mean, it has a biting critique of like Western imperialism and things like mm-hmm. that. And mm-hmm. um, I do. You know, I don't. I don't think it's wrong politically. Um, I think it's confused politically, but, um, yes, absolutely. But I don't, you know, I don't think it's as clear cut as like, oh, this is like contributing to Islamophobia and things like that. Mm -hmm. It's just, it seems to be a narrative that's, that was only, yeah, exactly possible in this moment where there was a little bit of a, a reflexivity about Islamophobia you know, culturally. Yes, yes. And we're just not living in a moment of any reflexivity at all. Um, and right. I've been really um, <sighs> struggling a lot with just the feeling like post 9-11 is, is kind of back. Um, like we didn't learn any lessons. Yeah, I mean, I don't I wouldn't say that. I'm not I'm not feeling like totally hopeless, but just just mm-hmm. the the return of some of these um intense political rhetorics and like extreme violence and harassment of people and the way in which these things turn p- personal so quickly um uh it's scary, you know. And um but I do think that there's a lot more um, a lot more people are speaking up and vocalizing their um, problems with 
the U.S.'s involvement in all of this. Um, yeah. And I, I think that that is a key difference. Um, and that's inspiring in lots of ways um, to, to see so much um, mass mobilization around these things. So I'm, I'm not trying to say it's, it's just the same thing, but um, yeah, I've been, I've been feeling, I've been feeling a little too haunted by, by some of the stuff that this movie mm-hmm. is making fun of. If, if that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I was wondering, okay. I was trying to think like what a 2023 version would be. Yeah. I don't this. know. I don't know. I think it would be, it would it, it wouldn't be about creating a sort of like uh bombing action mm-hmm. but i think it would have to be about zionists right i think it would have to be like for like zionist extremists um yeah who yeah but absolutely yeah well so i i want to uh talk about jesse armstrong talk about yes. succession i feel like you might have some things to say about this movie's relationship to succession, any sort of uh, connective threads you see there. Yeah. And, and then maybe we can spin off into the sort of the, this era of comedy conversation as well. I appreciate you bringing that up, right? Because satire did become, um, this is a very, very interesting moment for satire, right? Um, Mm -hmm. and lots of different kind of splits within that genre, um, politically. So, uh, yeah, we'd love to talk about that. Tell me what's your first question about, but you want to talk about Jesse Armstrong. Well, I felt like you might want to talk. I wanted to make space for you to have some succession related thoughts. If you, if you were able to formulate anything. Um, I don't know. I don't. He's part of this he's part of this cadre and um the thing that I found kind of interesting is like um yeah that I have some of the same problems of of tone with um mm. with succession satire right um and I also I think Returning to one of your one of the things you were speaking about before, I think the thing that I don't like about these characters is how dumb they are. I don't like they're being dumb, and I think that it has a kind of the tone of like superiority that I also don't like in succession, right mm, um, okay i th- I feel like we're watching these characters from above like moralistically, you know? And I think that that's a pretty like fundamental flaw in the film. Yeah. Interesting. I, I can, I can definitely see that. I think I, you know, this was my third, third watch, Mm -hmm. uh, right, right before we started recording. And, I'm so invested in exploring these characters that I totally know what you're saying and agree to an extent, but Mm -hmm. I almost through force of will was maneuvering around that perspective to Mm -hmm. find ways to relate to or critique 
or really live in the world of these characters. And mm-hmm. I do find that possible in this movie. So it's not like, but, but I do, I do definitely get the sense, you know, there is something a little edgy in this movie. And I think it is, I think at the time for a lot of people, it was edgy, you know, this, this reflexive moment about, anti-Islamic, you know, Islamophobia in the West. Uh, I Not everyone had a reflexive moment, you know, only a like no. really small w- group of people had that right. reflexive moment. And so for a lot of people, the edginess is just reflecting on Islamophobia at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then with the benefit of time, now for us, the edginess comes from a little bit of oh, well, right. Does the portrayal of these guys as like, just like I, I saw a r- relationship to like the Three Stooges or yeah. um, a really, really, you know, an, an article that I will continue to uh, cite here is Claire <laughs> Chambers' review of the movie in uh, a, a publication called Critical Muslim. I think this review came out in 2014. It's just a really fucking thorough view of these sort of film representation of British Muslims, of the movie itself, of representation of jihad and terrorism in quotes, you know, and, and, uh, and Muslims in media. But Mm -hmm. Claire makes the point of the con- it, from the beginning, it is connected to this is Spinal Tap. Mm-hmm. Them having this, you know, they lay out a Stonehenge monument <laughs> on the stage. You know, they draw it up on a napkin, and the designer mistakes inches for feet or feet for inches, and so it's the tiniest right. little monument. Similarly, Wadge is holding this gun that in in this. Uh, you know, jihad video, uh, which is a genre in and of itself that I hope we get to talk about. But his <laughs> hands are too big for it, so he like tries to move it closer to the camera to like bigger it. He he says, and it's like <laughs> so. It's already this like comedy of size and proportion, and we're in that realm. And so, right, mm-hmm. so the edginess for us is like, well, who's being let off the hook? by viewing these guys as dumb is it it, yeah and and it's it's just i don't think it is clear i think the the mess of this movie as with many of the movies that we pick is kind of what makes it fascinating yeah definitely no and i want to make clear um just because i didn't didn't quite like this movie and i'll say a caveat I do have a sense that if I were not watching this right now, that if I watched the say in 2010, that I would probably like it more. Okay? Right, right, right. And so I want to just like acknowledge my own limitations, right? Yeah, um, yeah, of course. But I think for all the reasons you just pointed to, um, it's a fascinating thing to talk about. So I've, I'm, I'm happy you brought it to the table. Um, I, ho- I hope that's clear. Oh, t- totally. Yeah. 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 Um, f- for sure. For sure. But I like, so, I like what you're saying about the spinal tap, the, 
the play with proportion and things like that. I think that um, there is a difference, though, which is in Spinal Tap, do you feel like... Okay, that's a genre question, right? We have the mockumentary, and then we have the Rob Mm -hmm. Reiner character playing the director, right? Mm -hmm, And so mm -hmm, I feel mm -hmm. like once you see... I mean, and you do from from the start, you see that that's who you're watching this through in some ways. There isn't that element of superiority that I'm really like reacting against in in Four Lions. Oh, because the director... Because you almost get to be superior to the director as well. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, but Mm, the director mm. and the kind of um, framing of of the satire is is part of the joke, right? Um, Right, right. I don't know if... um, Yeah, I I just don't know. I think, like, I think that there is... It's a necessary distancing that's, that's happening from these characters and that... It it is about feeling smarter than, better than, above. Um, that there are times when it skews away from that, but I think that that's uh, it's it's troubling, you know, um, because it just makes me wonder, like, why do we need that? Why do we need them to be dumb for them to be human? Right? Um, you're talking yeah. about like how they're. He- the film does effectively humanize them. I totally concur, but I don't think that it's almost cheap doing it just through their stupidity or moronic decisions, right? Dimwittedness. Sure, sure. And so, yeah, so I want to talk about the deeper element of that, but beforehand, I'll just say the, the, like the comedy statement I have is even more than about the like the rise of news satire in this era there mm-hmm. is something about the rhythm of the scenes and of the jokes that is so familiar to me it's like embedded mm-hmm. in my comedy dna this yeah. is the peak of me being an improviser in chicago you you know being on like improv teams at theaters where it was my dream to to perform and the the scene that i can that i can point to that reflects this rhythm like most clearly there there's several but it is the scene where Barry and Fezzel are mm-hmm. talking about Fez going into the the store to buy gallons of peroxide, like 12 gallons of peroxide at a time. And he's, he's telling Barry, Oh, well, he's like, you're going to get our spot blown up. And, and Fezzel is like, don't worry. I use different voices every time. And he's like, (laughs) what different voices? And, and he's like, yeah. And of course, every voice is the same voice. Um, one of his characters is an IRA member and Barry's like, that's a different terrorist. Like you're going to get us blown up. And he's like, yeah, but it's a different group. And then at the end, it's a, it's a, like just a generalized, like woman character. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, you have a beard. Like, what did you do? And he said, oh, well I covered my beard. And he like holds his hands over his beard in this incredibly awkward way. And Barry's like, so you just went in there with your hands over your beard and ordered 
12 bottles of peroxide. Why did you justify having your hands like that? And the like perfect button on this little exchange is Fezzel going, because she has a beard. And it's like something about this that is like, <laughs> I-, I think I first became aware of this rhythm in, uh, in the UK office, probably mm-hmm. just this, mm-hmm. like this little pattery thing where it's got this improvised feel to it. And like, mm-hmm. and, and using a dumb example, like how stupid I, re- I remember, uh, one of my one of my finest moments in improv was literally like a one line scene where like this whole like office scene was taking place and I was just like off to the side like looking confused the whole time and so they're having this like interaction and then someone like went over to me and was like hey you know just interacted me with me and my character was like how do you print a YouTube video and that was like the whole and it was like fucking nailed it dude like you know button to the scene but it's like could someone be so dumb as to think you could print a youtube video and and in this can we take that to the most like the absolute most heightened degree Mm -hmm. uh where where hassan the character who joins them later does a fake suicide bombing with streamers and then says to people like, oh, because I'm Muslim, you thought it was real, huh? As 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 everyone's reacting to him. And I think that is so so that explains why I am really willing to go with the comedy of this movie for yeah. the first two-thirds of it. And there's a thing with comedies, right? Of with of any sort of serious nature, oftentimes like rom com like Judd Apatow stuff where it like gets really sappy in the end and you're like, mm-hmm. you know, that was a big critique of Judd Apatow. With this, once Fezzel blows himself up, yeah, it gets so heavy. I mean, yeah. every character blows themselves up. Uh, also, the Critical Muslim Review, uh, they talk about the last words of these characters. So... I just want to quote, the emptiness of language is emphasized in the jihadi's last words. Waj's poignant statement, I'm sorry, lads, I don't really know what I'm doing. Barry's wordless death when he's blown up after an unsuspecting passerby gives him the Heimlich maneuver as he chokes on Omar's SIM card. Hassan's abortive attempt to give himself up to the police, quote, I'm real, but not anymore. And Omar's instruction to his colleague, Matt, to tell people he last saw him with a smile on his face as this, quote, could be important. So it's like all of these, like, it gets so heavy at the end. You know, it's like the biggest, like, lightener is that you find out that the rocket they launched the wrong way hit Osama bin Laden. Yeah. And... But but I and so I was like, well, is this is this doing that? Is it doing the thing where it's just joke, 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 joke in the first two thirds and the back third are no jokes? Mm. But on rewatch, I was like, no, there are jokes. Like they're they're running through London mm-hmm. in these absurd costumes. You see, like Wadge in this like ostrich yeah. costume running over a bridge, and I was like, no, there are still jokes. It's just that the stakes start overwhelming the jokes so mm-hmm. hard that the tone becomes yeah i totally get how the tone could seem off from the beginning if you're not on board but in that last two thirds is when it's really just oh, like yeah. oh shit these guys are just they're they're damning themselves so 
So, so then the other thing that the, you know, other than is the comedy, cringe? do you feel like is, it's cringe? You mm, you named a few, yeah, the cringe canon. I wonder if that's I, the effect of the third act, or I don't think so. I think it's beyond yeah. cringe. I think yeah. it like explodes what cringe is because it's like the stakes are fucking real. It's not like yeah, it's not something to cringe at. And yeah, I, I agree. I liked that it. I liked that it didn't go there either. I was kind of yeah. like the whole time I'm watching I'm like what is this building up to? <laughs> right, 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 right. Um but yeah, I I didn't feel like it did a total like genre switch in the end and I think they rely a lot on those costumes yeah. to maintain the comedy, right? But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but it's pretty safely in the zone of comedy I still I I think, right? Um, Oof, I don't know with that Aphex Twin song at the end that's like since become a very like that specific song, April mm-hmm. 14th or whatever it is, has become a a kind of telegraphing like this is heavy and sad. It, yeah. it functions in that and a lot of other things as well. And I think, you know, this does that. And so the tragedy of it. I'm just going to introduce a concept that I'm okay. sure I haven't come up with, but okay. a word I want to use is anti-villain. Because mm-hmm. if the anti-hero is someone who's just not like pure and mm-hmm. shiny and clean and has some like some dust on them, then what if mm-hmm. the anti-villain is someone who, right, we have these like big societal bad guys who are humanized through their relationships with each other and their stupid mistakes and then, as a result of that, we start to feel a little bit of sympathy for them and mm-hmm. see how they're kind of at the mercy of these larger societal forces. You know, whether you want to blame capitalism for the ways they've been marginalized and then chosen to be radicalized or their own religion. You, you know, there's various versions of that. But are they maybe anti-villains where there is like some slight likability to the villainy, which then makes – to me, the tone switches because it turns so tragic. And like the most tragic scene to me is Omar stopping at the hospital where his wife works and – interrupting you know the police are like asking his wife about omar's brother about her brother-in-law you know because he's like a more religious muslim has all this this study these texts and they end up really like terrorizing him in the end him yeah but omar looks at her and has to pretend to be someone else like and make some kind of silly remarks about medical stuff and then he's like I'm going to go to the top floor with with the guys. Or I for, I forget how he phrases it, but it's this like clear metaphor for like, hey, I you're not going to I'm going to heaven now, you know? And she just kind yeah. of like looks at him and it's like who just so tragic. I know. Yeah, it so I, I don't it's know. A, I like this idea of the anti-villain. I mean, I think what's complicated and interesting about that in the film is you know that they 
are at least initially motivated to be heroes, right? And like, um, yeah. Um, and then you watch that deteriorate, and it's like, there is no. Actually, yeah. I mean, I I, I liked how um, Ebert in his review said it is about Muslims, but also about the fundamentalist mindset in general. In general, which admits no doubt, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I feel like doubt is this very interesting character in the film. Um, I liked that um, summation, um, and it's just that those final scenes are just about pushing, pushing doubt out of the frame, you know? Um, I agree. But it never gets quite out of the frame. I mean, I mean, even like Omar's like struggling against that doubt, you you know, as like Waj, who's like the moral heart of the movie, you Mm -hmm. know, he asks him, he's like, you got to just follow your heart. What's your heart saying? And Mm -hmm. Waj is like, don't do it. Watch this is wrong. You know? And he's like, uh, you see Omar scramble and be like, okay, what's your head saying? Well, actually, your head and your heart are getting confused. That's the issue, you know. And then yeah. he tries to save Wedge from his own manipulation of him and can't. And yeah, yeah that doubt is never like I-, I didn't fully believe that Omar had reached this beatific state mm-hmm. when he when he talks to his coworker. Mm-hmm. I feel like he just was too far gone. To the point yeah. that he runs into, not I don't think it was Boots, but th- they talk about like where they're gonna target, and mm-hmm. someone you know earlier in the movie, and someone's like, we should we should bomb a Boots, which is like they're like Walgreens basically, mm-hmm. and uh, and he's like, that's stu- no one's gonna remember that, like that's like foolish. We got to do something bigger, and in the end, he ends up basically bombing a Boots. Because he's so far gone that he has no choice and he just like scrambles, at least in my reading of it. Yeah, no, I don't, I, I think that's accurate. I mean, I don't think there's anything too subtle about the end, which is, yeah, I guess, yeah. the thing that's interesting too is like it's playing with subtlety and then it has to get a little bit didactic yeah. in the end and mm-hmm. condemnational and it was one one of the things i was really thinking about um with satire so like often the problem politically with satire is that it it bends into like utter nihilism right um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and this movie doesn't do that um and also i mean some of the other films that um yeah, whatever, this satire cadre, <laughs> does, you know, that is their general impulse is, is towards the nihilistic. Yeah. Um, but I was trying to think about, like, I think this film is not just superior or kind of elitist towards its characters, but um, moralizing, right? And I was... Like, how does a moral, it's like, how does a moralistic satire work? <laughs> you know, maybe that's part of my problem with it, is I don't actually think that a satire can be moralistic. What do you think the moralizing is? Like, what do you think is the, like, sort of 
Aesop's fable version of the moral of this movie? Mm, I think, um, I couldn't, I couldn't actually like nail it down, but it does Mm -hmm. have to do with like, yeah, all fundamentalism will, will lead towards, towards this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it is really concerned with fundamentalist thought. Um, well, I think that is kind of maybe where the politics feels not great to me because mm-hmm. it is uh, obviously I don't, uh, you know, I, I also am not a fan of religious fundamentalism and bombing people. <laughs> yes. But I think what that, I think the beware extremism mm-hmm. idea leads very closely to a liberal sort of like oh yeah protect civility (laughs) at all costs exactly and i think in some ways that's why like the character of barry is very interesting to me because i Mm. think if chris morris i think it maybe happens accidentally i don't get the sense that chris morris was like super delved into like left movement spaces but i'm sure you know you've come across people leveling uh, characterizations of each other as like ultra leftists, which which oftentimes becomes this like empty (laughs) thing of like, whoever you don't like is an ultra leftist, you know, ultra leftism characterized by basically just like uncompromising, uh, impossible to achieve, uh, not even utopia, often a sort of like nihilism. But I think a lot of, at, at least in my experience in Chicago organizing, a lot of the abolition and abolitionist spaces were critiqued really unfairly as ultra leftist by people who um, I consider close to liberal in the most pejorative way. And, and then, Mm -hmm. but then that becomes this cycle of like, you're an ultra leftist. Well, you're a liberal. Well, actually you're a liberal. Well, then you're an ultra leftist. It's it becomes a fucking, it becomes boring. But I think Barry's thing of being, the white convert to Islam who mm-hmm. wants to bomb a mosque because mm-hmm. that will radicalize the centrists to the point that he's willing to act out and punch himself in the face to act out this idea about how much, you know, causing violence to yourself and your own community will cause you to, to rise up and, and, and win the fight like that feels uh that feels close to a moral of the movie to me about like oh hey look at barry this ultra left extremism Mm -hmm. which starts to eat itself uh but there's not a lot of space for like righteous revolutionary struggle in that yeah totally i mean yeah the charge of ultra leftism has kind of like a long tainted history and I don't want to get into it, but it's like it is one of many pejorative terms um, to like dismiss revolutionary critique, right? Um, which is often it's often like the second response, right? Like revolutionary critique lodged against like reformism, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Or pl- any form of political compromise right and um 
So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that is the dangerous territory the film heads towards is, um, like, what does, what are the politics of this critique of right fundamentalism? Like, this isn't, because it's, it's a movie that's much more about morals than politics, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that isn't quite clear uh, in the end, I think. So. And I think that, t- to me, that's why it feels more than just, uh, just like liberal kind of empathy porn or something. It, it mm-hmm. is is that it is muddy in that way. It doesn't yeah. have a super clear cut. Um, you know, you can parse out some like problematic threads of the movie's politics, but overall it does show, you know, as they're critiquing materialism, they Mm -hmm. seem as, as jealous of some of these uh, tokens of capitalism as they are critical. Oh yeah. You know, it's a really anti-authoritarian film too, Mm -hmm. but I think Mm -hmm. that the thing is, I mean, I think there's a little bit of a like libertarian bent to this whole satire crew, um, Iannucci especially. Um, okay. That, yeah, I, I get concerned over um, when I when I look at this because it's like you can't have it both ways. On the one hand, um, like Morris or Riz Ahmed, right, are figures of um political satire that has faced government censorship right mm-hmm. um most people would call them extreme <laughs> right, <laughs> right 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 i mean that is how they were censored that is how that works right and so um it's interesting to see it's like part of the movie kind of feels like well we can this movie can be extremist and and do extremist things, but it can, it's also um, condemning these characters, right? Um, for their form of that. It's like, my extremism is better than yours. <laughs> it's kind of like <laughs> mm. the sense I get from it. And um, that, that comes from this like license that I think... Like artistic I mean, extremism. Gives himself... Yeah. Better than political extremism or something. It's like, might as well keep mm-hmm. it confined to this arena almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I yeah. Think- I, I buy that. Let I think there's another critique. There's other critiques in this movie that you yeah. might find that, that I would guess we might be a little more aligned on. Like specifically, I think there is, there are narratives in this movie about masculinity, mm-hmm. about uh, honestly, it, I kind of I can turn anything I watch into this, but like a a morality tale of career ambition, you mm-hmm. know, like Riz Ahmed's character, like Omar has this beautiful, loving wife. She literally like encourages him to go back to his friends when he, he's alienated from them by saying like. Well, if they're gonna bomb the wrong, t- if they're gonna blow themselves in the wrong up in the wrong place, 
you need to make sure you all blow yourselves up in the right place. Like, it's this weird sweetness that she supports him with. His mm-hmm. kid is so sweet and and innocent and and he he has a nice little house. He's got this, you know, security job, which mm-hmm. is also interesting considering the surveillance stuff in sure. the movie that he's kind of deputized he's to do this guard. surveillance. Yeah. <laughs> and but but it's like he's willing to give all of that up like for this vague ambition and glory. I'm just in my mind I'm like, dude, this is what you were trying to do when you were trying to get on TV at all costs. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's just like uh yeah. and that's that's my own sort of personal thing, but like there's so much at at the risk of stating the incredibly obvious so much toxic masculinity in this movie it, I, did you did you have any thoughts about that element of things no just i mean the stubbornness of these characters or i don't know i i didn't i didn't think i didn't think too much about it dave that's okay <laughs> Okay, I thought like I, I know you rely on me to be like that's a representation of masculinity, and here's my feminist take on it. No, but, no, no, uh, I don't completely do that. I just thought maybe that was like a um. I I actually kind of thought like I was like I wonder if Madeline maybe has been so focused on the politics of this mm. that that bringing this element into it mm-hmm. uh, might be like. I mean, I mean, it's just tough. It's it's tough to take away, y- you know, the minute you want to just treat the satire of it, the 2010 satire of it, or you want to mm-hmm. just treat the masculinity of it, the other elements start to creep in and it becomes impossible to just criticize or even appreciate one element. And, and I think I do, like, because I do want to make it clear, like, I really like this movie. And I like, mm-hmm. not without complication, but I think that muddiness is what I really like about it. It's a daring film. <laughs> it's very daring. It's very stubborn. And and I admire a lot of it, I would say. But... Um, I want to talk about my favorite scene before we move away from it but um okay yeah 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 the lion king scene can you briefly like describe (laughs) describe the scene (laughs) totally totally so i mean it comes back in other in other parts but the the most in-depth is is omar is telling his son the story of the lion king kind of like riffing on the the movie as it's as it's already the, the kid is clearly familiar with the movie and yes. he's come ba- Omar's come back from Pakistan, clearly fucked everything up, uh, bl- blown up the emir head of of the the military, which we later find out was Osama bin Laden. And he's feeling like a fuck up, and he has to figure out, oh, what do I do to go forward? I don't have the 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 stamp of approval of any official. Islamic militia body at this point. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's he's telling his kid that like, oh, Simba saw a, a giant bird uh, in the sky, which was like the drone that he tried to shoot at. And then he's like, and he, I forget what did he did he shoot at it or did he just like jump back and attack Mufasa? He but he like at it. Yeah, yeah. So it's like the, oh, no, the metaphor. No, he throws a rock at it. Oh, he actually, throws a no, rock. That's right. That's right. Which that's I also right. really like. I really yeah, like a lion a throwing lion a rock. <laughs> picking up a rock. Right. And then, it. and it accidentally fly. He throws, he throws it so hard that it flies backwards and hits his, his father, Mufasa, and, and he dies. And the kid is like, but doesn't Scar kill Mufasa? And, Omar's like, yeah, "Yeah, in the movie, I'm talking about real life. (laughs) What I'm talking about is real life. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I really loved that scene. Yeah, Um. (laughs) yeah. What What did you love? I mean, other than it, the just like absurdity of it. Um, I I felt like the moral questions were really at the front in that Mm -hmm. scene because the other thing he says is like he asks his kid like what Simba should do in yeah. that scenario and yeah. the kid is like well y- y- you know does he admit his fuck up or does he like lead his fellow lions into battle against Scar cuz they've got- and he's just like well they've got to fight Scar right and the kid says well he's got to tell the truth right and and Omar's own parenting is at odds with yes. his his fervor in this moment. And he says to the kid, telling the truth means giving up. Mm-hmm. Which which echoes when Waj, his heart tells him it's wrong at the end. And there's so much of of like um this talk of like doing what's right and doing what's right for mm-hmm. these. I mean, I think that is where you're right. The anti-authoritarian critique is really strong. Is mm-hmm. like it's it, the big critique is of these bodies, is of the idea of an Islamic militant body dictating to people the way to practice and 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 help their religion flourish. You know? Yeah. 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 I just love this scene. I love like the way that you're watching him try to position himself as Simba. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, and realizing that like, he's not, he's not the Simba in this story. Right. um, Kind of puppeteering these characters to try to find the moral of the story that he wants. Right. Um, So for me, it kind of felt like this really interesting little nugget in the film that's telling you how to think about its own moral composition, you know? Um, yeah. And I guess if anything you asked what, yeah, what the moral of the story is, I feel like it's in that, (laughs) in that scene. Right. Um, I mean, that scene helps you to understand what happens to Omar. Well, and I, now that I'm thinking about it, I think it does have resonance now with Mm -hmm. you know most of the unfortunate israeli propaganda that that makes its way into my feed is -hmm. from people trying to find some middle ground 
Right. And and the and and especially you, you know, this is something I have a lot of empathy for, but truly can't even imagine even growing up like super evangelical as a kid, the level of propaganda that American Jews are like steeped in from the mm-hmm. time they're born where it is just it becomes so difficult it's still a responsibility it, it, it's still something that needs to be done but it's it's become so difficult to separate yourself and Judaism from the state of Israel yeah. that, that like the the you know to use an extreme example in like Amy Schumer like the the people oh, who you're bringing her up huh I mean, I don't even, I've only got like, I haven't even like delved into her stuff, but I just know that she is like really doubling down. And this, so so basically in that Lion King story scene, Omar is faced with the choice. Do I, this, this irreconcilable difference between the way he has lived authentically in raising his child versus this top down belief about what he has to do to himself. And Mm -hmm. given that conflict, he just denies his lived experience and goes, okay, well, this, this thing, this, this preexisting default position is what I've been told is true. So no, it has to be true. And I think that's what happens in the cases of the Amy Schumer's of the world, like growing up in this shit and being like forced to face fucking genocide and being unable to to reconcile. Like, to reconcile, unable to pull yourself out of that and be like, oh, I am not the Israeli government. My my ethics are not the ethics of the Israeli government. Mm-hmm. It it just it, it shows that given that and I think it happens with like on like much smaller scales as well, but given the that confrontation, a lot of people will choose the quote easy way out of just like sticking with their dogma. Hmm. Yeah, I guess it's it feels safer. Yeah. To some, I imagine. I guess safer because you've grown up with it, because it's so unknown to do something mm-hmm. else, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I I see what you're saying. Um yeah, the propaganda that I've been most uh, distraught by are those, um, you know, posters of of Israeli hostages, and of course, absolutely, there's nothing wrong with wanting any of those individual people to be safe. Right. But the implicit ask of each of those posters is that we weigh that face against, you know, this list of thousands of names. Right. Um, Yeah. And uh, to look away from. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that there is an interesting way in which we're watching some of this uh, deteriorate. Um, And the people I've learned the most from in all of this have always been my radical Jewish friends who Mm -hmm. um, 
were critical of Zionism and, um, yeah, and taught me why <laughs> when I was young. And I appreciate that, but I didn't have to deprogram myself in these right. ways. Well, um, that's the problem with the dog whistle is that, like, it, if you refuse to see it as a dog whistle, mm-hmm. it, it, it comes with the built-in deniability of, like, oh, these are just, we're just posting for the, we just want to draw attention to these hostages. And it's, like, it is inarguable to be, like, yeah, that's horrible. What, what are you going to say, like, no, I believe these uh, y- 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 you know, yeah. y- you're put in the impossible position of having to someone someone is daring you to devalue human life, and the only way out of it yep. is just not to engage. I yeah, it's been upsetting to watch this happen in uh, in comedy, yeah, comedy scenes, um, because the fascist comedy turn is all about being brave in comedy <laughs> and mm-hmm. free speech in comedy. Right. Um, and actually, that's always just about power. <laughs> um, and I was just looking at a, um, yeah, Paul Shear, who I've been a fan of. He's been posting those, um, that prop, that, uh, Israeli propaganda on, his social media and he like goes through one by one and any of his fans, he has a lot of like well-intentioned fans who are trying to talk to him about this because he's, he's reflected his politics. He is left leaning, you -hmm. know, he's, he's spoken out against other things and taken the, you know, the right side. He has a good track record. Right. And so a lot of his fans are like trying to trying to logic this, you know, with him and like Mm -hmm. talk to him. And he goes through and picks one by one. He says, so this person's life doesn't mean anything to you. (sighs) Yeah. Like it's it's profound. It's the do you condemn Hamas thing just in a different form. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I just feel so disheartened by this uh, among comedians because it's like, I do feel like comedy is and can be really politically important. And whether we like it or not, we live in a culture where comedians are looked to, to say, to speak truth to power, mm-hmm. to say the things that politicians aren't saying, right? To use their platforms to to be political and there there's a a lot of people from this moment of comedy in 2010, you know, who are being silent, um, who, yeah, I don't know. And it's, it's interesting to think about with satire, right? Because so the daily show moment, like that was after nine 11, everybody knows, you know, there's like this panic. Oh, we can't have comedy again. There's never going to, we're never going to laugh again, you know, which SNL definitely like, used to legitimate like not being funny for way too long. (laughs) Right. But then the only safe place for comedy to exist was in, was in satire in that time. Um, So there's something interesting about that moment where 
satire isn't it isn't as brave as it necessarily seems to be right it's actually totally. in some ways a kind of cowardly move um throughout that decade right and so i mean i'm making big generalizations but i'm just saying yeah. that there are actually a lot of different strains of satire and a lot of it was about like being cowardly and hiding behind um behind a genre and and things like that yeah um, and i think it hides behind it and also th- it it plays into the nihilism that you were talking about mm-hmm. and also even if it's not fully nihilistic it is inactive it it excuses mm-hmm. inaction and so it's right. just this it's like well we've we've proven that all sides are it, it's like a sharper seeming version of the quote equal opportunity offender it's mm-hmm. like yeah i i i actually in action but it's like it's also like you may not be able to do anything about this but you can still feel better than it right and i feel like that's particularly like this moment of like um the bush blair era between these two countries and their in their traditions of satire right yeah yeah i think that's i think that's where not even to put that fine a point on like our obvious like disagreement on like how much we like the movie but i think that mm-hmm. like i totally see what you're saying about it, it, it giving you permission to feel better than these characters um but because of their demises I just like don't fully feel that permission. It, it like it sideswipes yeah. me a little more. Um but but I Does yeah. it just I think that that I think I think you're right, but I'm looking back No, on no, that no. I mean it's just where, my feelings on it, you know. No, I I, I want to like give that I want to give the last moment it's due. I mean, I do think it is it is crushing. It does have it is a powerful ending um, to a confusing film. It it feels like a code switch in some ways, mm-hmm. but then it's also like if we were to think about the Lion King moment as this kind of like yeah whatever meta narrative or right. intertext for this film, um, it's like he should have known better is also mm-hmm. part of it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And if that's, I don't know. I just don't know how to sit with that. Well, I think the um, the critical Muslim Claire Chambers article is like brings some interesting additional yeah. data points into this. Um, Claire says, "Well, towards the end, it talks about frustration that the only like voice, y- you know, sort voice of sort of reason is." I think Matt, the coworker's voice at the end, where it's like, not every loud noise is a bomb. A lot of times it's a scooter mm-hmm. backfiring. And in the article, uh, said, Claire says that the, th- that that could have just as easily been placed in the mouths of so many other Muslims in the community. Who are like, you know, it's weird that the closest thing we get to a sort of heroic character um, is is Matt. And I didn't quite read him as heroic, but but being able to express this measured disbelief and still compassion 
it is weird to put that in a white character as opposed to someone else from Omar's community who can mm-hmm. just be like, you know, there's nothing inherently, this is part of that review, there's nothing inherently radicalizing about Islam. There's nothing even inherently, you, you know, in, in this moment, it was really fascinating to see dis- this discussion of these different types of psych- psychiatric attempts to like reverse mm-hmm. engineer who is available to be radicalized. And it's this, you know, the idea of a loner or like a tech worker. But then in these bombings, uh, the actual people who carried these out frequently did have families or weren't like super technical workers. So it just doesn't work. It, it just is really difficult to pinpoint and I guess maybe that is what the movie's saying is like he should have known better. I mean, like it literally is true. Like he should have known better, you yeah. know. But, but yeah, who does it absolve and who does it blame? Uh, is is tricky. I also think there's there is a moment uh, in that that uh, critical Muslim article where. Uh, I just I just want to read this quote. It is dangerous to accept the good Muslim, bad Muslim divide, even when the person doing this emphasizes the good side of pluralism and tolerance within Islam. Unless mm. these stereotypes are dismantled altogether, they can easily be reversed, whereby the bad Muslim is taken to be the real voice of Islam and the good Muslim becomes somehow inauthentic. That's excellent. Yeah. Um... So, is it, so maybe it is also watching the movie along with this review and having them kind of like the review <laughs> as intertext and having them kind of like uh, mm-hmm. enrich each other a little bit was really uh, helpful to me. Yeah, I can see that. Do you want to um, talk about heroes, though, about like who is a hero in this movie? It is is anyone? No one's a hero. No one's a hero, right? Yeah, I mean, of course, right. But but who or okay, who is a villain? Like I, I kind of like cherry picked some moments that that felt like they really stuck out to me. Like when after Fezzel dies, Omar says to the guys, he's like, they're like trying to proclaim his accidental death as if he's like a martyr of some sort. Mm-hmm. And Omar's mm-hmm. like, he's not a hero. He's a fucking dickhead, and so are all of you. And I was just yeah. like. Yeah, I mean, right. Everybody here is a dickhead. He's a dickhead. Yeah. I like that line too. And um I don't I don't think it's like and again getting back to like the nihilism moralism question. It's like I don't think that the the, the position of this film is that like you can't be a hero at all. Right, it's not like yeah. an amoral narrative universe where, yeah, there's no heroes, there's no villains. So, like, what does it matter anyways? Omar, go ahead and die. Right, mm-hmm. I do think, but I think the absence of those kinds of figures, right, is is really stark, and also part of why, like, yeah, going to the Lion King to make sense of. <laughs> this moral quandary right. or something like that quandary um, becomes this great, great plot point. And um, 
Yeah, I think it's a great signal to... I wouldn't... Okay, I'm not going to say it's a signal to the audience, but I, I do think that it's it doesn't eradicate from from this world that like people can g- do good things right right um it's just not at all invested in these like archetypes and is critical of the ways in which those archetypes are deployed right so yeah um yeah so i, I think that's that's kind of an amazing dance that it's doing mm-hmm. though mm-hmm. um right because it could be it would be much much easier to do something um that yeah is com- that is that is amoral um not that i'm like interested in the morals that this this film is like imparting um and i do think it's like moralist moralistic kind of attitude is is a problem i still kind of admire the way in which um it works in those different registers um yeah and it's similarly like these characters are all stupid (laughs) but it's not like there's a world where this is a world where everyone is stupid there's there's still a sense that they could be smarter than this um so i don't know i think in terms of archetypes if not heroes and villains there's another quote from that critical muslim article about the characters they're all dressed as and how Mm -hmm. perfect they are um the ostrich yeah well okay so it says um rather than lions in the marathon scenes at the end of the film the characters are dressed in absurd fancy dress omar is a honey monster a costume which expresses his sweetness and yet monstrosity Wadge is a man riding an ostrich. He buries his head in the sand. Barry dresses as a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. He is the most violent of the four and with distorted juvenile attitudes. And Hassan is an inverted clown, signaling his Joker role that nonetheless leads to violence. I guess my point is, uh, you know, read this Read this review. <laughs> it's like, it's fucking good shit, man. If you don't watch the film, still read the review. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got to check out this fucking review, dude. I want to say something about Chris Morris, which is that he is not Chuck Norris. Mm, yes, yes, yes. N- n- see, I wanna, now... I want to clarify that. For an everyone. hour 15 in, we're really letting people know. Here's the He's good not shit. not the Walker, Texas Ranger. Chris Morris is not Chuck Norris. We You say that because <laughs> you tried to correct me before we started recording of going, I think it's Chuck Morris. And I was like... Uh, I, I combined so. them though. I didn't say Chuck Norris. Chuck I Morris it wasn't. Yeah. I know, but I thought it was Chuck Morris. <laughs> At any rate, um, I did. Okay, so I want to hear what you think about the the Ebert review. He says, uh-huh. which is like this was like a few years before he died. This is like yeah, legendary Ebert. I was reading it, it's just great. very impressed by him. Mm-hmm. For not that I totally agree with him ever, but and he's kind of a perv. Okay. Four Lions is impossible to categorize. Mm-hmm. This is my hook into the genre question. If you yeah, like. yeah, yeah. It's an exceedingly dark comedy, a wicked satire, a thriller where the thrills center on the incompetence of the villains. Mm-hmm. It's fueled by both merriment and anger. It shows characters so dazzled by the prospect of the next life that they have no cares about their present lives or ours. 
It is about Muslims, but also about the fundamentalist mindset in general, which I already said, which admits it out. Uh, it was directed by Chris Morris, not to be mistaken for Chuck Norris. It's funny how he also clarifies that in his review. Um, <laughs> a British TV and radio satirist and not the star of Walker, Texas Ranger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, he really kind of goes so, on a tangent here. Yeah, in he does. It's amazing. Yeah. Is co-written by Morris, Sam Bain, and Jesse Armstrong. Um, they have made the film with heedless, heedless abandon. Its strategy is to regard imbecility with a poker face and permit horrifying acts to occur absentmindedly. Sometimes this is funny, and sometimes not at all. But you can't call it boring. I yeah. love it. Yeah, it's. Uh... I love the. That that was a great summation of all of the genre problems of this film. Which oh is, no, I think there's know? way more genre problems. I would even add to that. You're gonna add to that? All right, I'm gonna add to me. that. Okay, so okay. Uh, for, first, I think this is interesting from the Critical Muslim Review. It says Team America: World Police, which came out in 2005, is perhaps Morris's most relevant cinematic forebear. This film and Four Lions both take a scattergun approach to humor, satirizing targets across the political spectrum, and they contain no trace of moralizing or uncritical stereotyping. <laughs> so that's interesting. Uh, y- you know, this this review that is like really locked in in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, I agree with you. I think there is moralizing i just think it's very subtle it's kind of like a a liberal civility moralizing but so here are the genres the critical muslim review mentions i won't even like quote all of them it's just like here are the things mentioned because some of them are genres that are literally shown on camera specifically the news Faisal's death is is announced on the news in the world of the movie omar watches bloopers bloopers is a specific genre uh bloopers of the jihadi video which is very much its own genre as well uh that because the the four lions crew is obsessed with these types of videos they're constantly recording so they have cameras camcorders and ha- there's like a cinema verite sort of mm-hmm. situation going on there. Along with that, the camcorders, we have surveillance, the-, the genre of like surveillance footage. We have a whole joke of them like shaking their heads to avoid being recognized on CCTV. I love that, yeah. Um, the, let's see. We Also, Hassan being a media studies student is really interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. we-, we have the... Uh, contraposition, this is a quote, the contraposition of the sacred and secular, which Islam and hip hop and <laughs> hip-hom. which Islamism and hip hop at first appear to be. Uh, so it's like, oh, mm. hip hop's the secular, Islam's the sacred, because Hassan's like constantly rapping. But then it says, rather than that, both are concerned with identity assertion. Um, mm. And so, so we, so I think that those are the only genre additions i would make except that they talk about um when they do the zoom out from you know the whole screen is filled with the camcorder footage of one of them in front of a rug which is part of the jihad video 
genre. Uh, and then we zoom out to see Omar watching it and editing it on his laptop. He's also then surrounded by domesticity, toys, yeah. l- like, it, you know, and it says here Morris shows alertness to the quote jumble or lack of separation mm. between apparently pure and impure modes of living. Hmm. So so that's those are those are the things I would add mostly having to do with methods of filming basically. I like it. Jumble. It's good, right? It's a jumble. Yeah. All right, well does that lead to our genre question? I think it our genre review? I think it does. What do you got? Have you have you I was I was struggling because I was just like clusterfuck, which is mm, mm. what I called Succession. Um Succession. Clusterfuck or meta or meta clusterfuck. Mm-hmm. Right. That was like at worst at best. Um but I decided on Lion King, but how it went in real life. <laughs> Okay. Okay. The the sort of uh, porousness <laughs> between the cartoon and the real and the impossibility of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like the claim in its own impossibility, and that impossibility is its genre. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I that is that's fantastic. Oh man, I thought you were. I thought you were gonna vamp more, and I would have more time to like put my specific words together Uh here how many words do you have (laughs) well i have i have one word for sure uh i think i think i'm going Ooh, do i want to do that or do i there's there's so many different elements i want to i want to i want to make sure there's comedy in there i want to make sure there's but no, okay, I've got, I've got it, I've got it. Okay. Um, my genre Take is. Take your time. Take your time. If you need some. Well, no, because there's an audience and there people are listening, and I don't. Wanna and take it's that not much like time. you can edit, you know. Right. I don't know how to edit. It, the, so. None of this is edited. I'm I'm playing the uh, the theme song on a on a guitar to to start the uh, the episode. Anyway, my genre is dark jumble. Dark jumble. Oh, I yeah. like that. I feel this it's feels like a mine. Yeah, this feels like a Madeline-y sort. Of, I feel like jumble is a very like uh, Madeline word. I was I, I was like excited that you picked up on that feel. at the end. Yeah, good mouth feel. Um, and I think it. I think it. I think jumble like describes you know the moral aspect of it. The 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 zooming in and out. Of like one screen mm-hmm. giving way to another screen, even the zooming in and out of like the camera itself that is clearly kind of revealed to be a surveillance of some sort. Um, and then it does d- cap- mis- capture the atmosphere of the the film in a lot of ways. And the dark thing is like, I just need something that describes like the sort of gut punch of it at the end plus the like 
I don't know. It, it, really, what what makes me inclined to this movie is like it. It's, it's so easy to describe a premise and say to someone like, for me to hear a premise and be like, that sounds terrible, and someone be like, oh, it's actually mm-hmm. great, and be, me be like, mm-hmm. oh, I could see how a lot of premises could either be great or bad, right? And Four Lions' premise is like bumbling terrorists. I'm like. That kind of sounds amazing if you do it right. And I feel like it did it right. And it's yes. just this like mischief maker sense that really appeals to me of like this dark the the dark I would never call something a dark comedy that feels absurd, but dark jumble in the sense of like, well, can we push the line here? Can we, what if he what if he sets off a streamers, mm-hmm. you know, at a at a Muslim event on campus, you know, is just um yeah. I I appreciate it. I also appreciated what you were saying about cringe because I was thinking um I think along similar lines about like how this is flirting with the conventions of cringe comedy very characteristic of this moment and it is not doing that. Um and yeah, I I like what you said. It's not cringe because it has actual stakes, <laughs> right? Right. Well, I let me let me double up the way you did with Succession, okay? So you okay, get dark okay. jumble or instead of cringe, how about crunch comedy? Because crunch comedy. because of specifically there are I started to notice on my second viewing this time around mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. there were these moments of like sound design that could have been way overblown, but instead seemed very intentionally to sound like the act actually would sound. Three of them. Barry running his car into the concrete wall from four feet away. So it clearly like does almost nothing. And you just hear this like tiny little crunch where he's like trying to prove to Hassan, he's like, that was real, mate. Then... The guys, the the Mujahideen in Pakistan uh, breaking Waj's cell phone with a rock. And, and instead mm-hmm. of any sort of like big thing, and, and he doesn't even like smash it over and over again. The ro- it's just this big rock hits the cell phone. It sounds exactly like a rock hitting a cell phone. And then the cell phone just falls down. And I feel like in another movie, they would see, we would see this whole cell phone get smashed. Right. Oh, yeah. And then maybe most relevantly is Barry punching himself in the face. It's not this Mm -hmm. super goosed up, like, you know, it's just like a, it like, it sounds like a guy punching himself in the face. And I think that maybe implies the cringeness, but takes it up stakes wise, but takes it down absurdity wise. So cr- crunch comedy. That's that's my. When I hear crunch, I think of crunchy granola because I live in the Pacific Northwest. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's that's fair. Well, dark jumble then. Uh, dark dark, dark jumble. jumble. Also, punching oneself in the face. Yeah. What's that? Self pun. Self pugilism. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's another genre now, you could 
Maybe at the end of every um, episode of the season, you could add another genre that you think Four Lions is also just like tacking on. <laughs> okay. Okay. You know? I like that. Yeah. Hey, maybe. <laughs> new new segment idea. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you watching this movie. It, it was honestly, yeah. I mean... I fucking I really like this movie and I uh, I'm glad to have watched it. I've meant to, you know, so yeah, yeah, totally. It's I, uh, I think it just has interesting Actually, things I do. to say I regret about all the time. I, I regret mm. a lot of things, but, but not this. usually not, not, not watching, watching movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't regret watching this movie. They can they can put that on the movie poster if they want. 13 years I later. don't regret watching this movie. Madeline Lane McKinley, <laughs> author of Comedy Against Work. Um, some well, broad. Some broad some, in Portland. Yes, say. yes, yes. I don't yes. regret Some broad in Portland. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you all um, for listening. We are, we, are, listening. we are not brought to you by Ghost Energy, Blue Raspberry, Sour Patch, Kids Flavor. We're not brought to you by Madeline's Neck Cramp. We're not brought to you by anything, but cramp. Uh, what is it? It's not a cramp. What is it? I don't know what it's called. It's like called frozen <laughs> neck. I think is what people oh, call it. Okay, it's called. It's, really, uh, it's like a really cool thing about me. It's called so, crunch, crunch neck, neck crunch, <laughs> neck yeah. crunch. Uh, well, fucking free Palestine for sure. Yes, and. I, I don't have anything else to promote. Just uh, thank you to everyone who's speaking up. Yeah, for Palestinians everywhere who might also be listening, and those who are going to the streets. Actually, that's what I'm going to do after I get off. I'm going to go to the protest that's going on today. So great. I'll be. Nice. I would invite people to the. The Palestinian parkour documentary I'm screening, but oh yeah, that that's will have been too. several weeks in the past at this point. Fuck the Balfour keep Declaration. Things. Yeah, keep um, doing things. Keep showing up. We'll talk to you next week. 